Welcome to Fanfjordenfi Legal News here on Baderberg Studio. Program is sponsored by Fanfjordenfi Brokers here in uh, Rustenburg. Today we're going to have a discussion on two, what I believe, interesting topics. Uh, firstly, another dog bite case. We uh, talked about uh, another matter some time ago on this uh, program, but uh, yeah, this time around there's a person that was attacked um, in Cape Town by a pit bull. And we're going to have a chat to Elmarie Richter about that incident. She'll uh, give us the fact and uh, then uh, facts uh, of that case, and then we'll also have a chat about the relevant legal issues and legal principles, and of course also try to give you some advice what we can learn from the from those cases. Then uh, secondly, I'll uh, also be talking to Tandeka and Panza about once again the High Court decision in Cape Town regarding the question as to whether life partners should be entitled to inherit as interstate heirs. In other words, if someone passes away without the will, should life partners then also inherit like a surviving spouse would inherit? So, uh, yeah, please stay tuned. Next case here on Fontana Filigo News on Baderbach Stereo relates to another dog bite incident that we uh, want to discuss. In this case, uh, in this uh, um, instance, it happened in uh, Cape Town where there was a person uh, bitten by a, a dog, actually a pit bull. So, uh, yeah, I asked uh, Elmarie to have a look at uh, the decision and uh, share her thoughts on it. But before we do so, uh, Elmarie, maybe we can just recap uh, the case um, that we discussed previously on a program dealing with the liability of owners of dogs or other animals. Uh, so, yeah, please uh, just explain those relevant principles to us again. Yes, Volker. Um, during a previous program, we discussed the court case in which a woman was attacked by a dog at a braai, and she suffered major injuries and her face had to be reconstructed after the attack. And the legal principles we focused on was the Actio de Pauperi, which deals with injuries caused by domesticated animals. And this was also the legal principle that was applied in this lady's case. Now, um, with the Actio de Pauperi, it's important to note that it has entrenched a form of strict liability, and it is liability without fault, meaning that the claimant um, does not have to prove negligence or intent by the, the dog owner. The mere fact that you are the owner of the dog and that your dog acted contrary to its nature when he attacked a person makes you liable for the damages suffered by the victim. And that's basically the crux of the previous program and our discussion. All right. And that, of course, doesn't only apply to dogs, but any other animals as well. But yeah, maybe you can uh, then also share the facts in this uh, pit bull case uh, uh, with us. Yes, um, a very interesting uh, matter that occurred in at a seaside resort in the Western Cape area during December 2013. Now, Fatima Karel says she was a 23-year-old um, at the time of the incident, and she went on a day trip to the seaside resort and was busy swimming and playing with a ball in one of the resort's tide pools. 
when a pit bull actually saw them playing with a ball in the swimming pool and he ran to the pool and he jumped in and when he jumped in she screamed and the pit bull then um, attacked her. Now, she attempted to fight off the dog, but she sustained quite a few serious injuries, and she's also now suffering from PTSD. Now, with um, the dog owner of the pit bull is Quentin Axtian. Now, he was not at the resort himself when the incident occurred. The pit bull was actually brought to the resort by Dylan Extian. Now, I'm not sure what the relationship is between Dylan, Dylan and Quentin. I do note that they have the same surname, but so I assume they might be family, but I'm not sure. Now, Dylan brought this pit bull to the resort, knowing that um, dogs were not allowed. And he also had the dog on a leash basically the whole day. And at a certain time, he took the dog off leash. And that was actually when the incident and the attack took place. Now, after the um, accident or the incident, Fatima instituted legal proceedings claiming for the damages that she suffered. And um, she not only claimed the damages from the dog owner um, based on the Actio de Paupery, like I discussed a bit earlier, she actually also held the city of Cape Town, the municipality, liable for the damages that she suffered. And the claim against the municipality was based on the municipality's breach of a legal duty to ensure the safety of visitors to the resort. All right, interesting set of facts. And, and what did the court uh, find? Was uh, she successful with the claim? Well, before I discuss the court's decision, I hope you don't mind, I would just like to address some of the arguments that were raised um, during the trial, because this gives yeah. a little bit of clarity with regard to the order that the court made. Now, during the trial, it was argued that the municipality did not conduct the necessary and required supervision and access controls at the resort. The municipality only, for example, controlled the main entrance, um, but they failed to control the access of two other entrances, which were unfenced areas. Now, Dylan entered the resort with a dog at one of the unfenced areas of the resort. And no resort official or security guard stopped him from entering the resort. They also didn't address the fact that he had a dog with him. And the municipality was aware of the fact that visitors and dogs entered the resort through the two unmanned and unfenced entrance areas. But they actually failed to take any reasonable steps to prevent it. Now, they were also a lot of law enforcement of officials patrolling the resort and making sure that everyone's safe and, and so forth. But they never addressed the Dylan and actually asked him to remove the dog from the premises. Now, it was actually after the court heard this evidence and after the court then considered the legal principles that the court found that the municipality should be held liable for the damages suffered by Fatima. So the, the court then ordered the, municip the municipality of Cape Town to be liable for Fatima's damages. And they also then ordered that the owner, Quinton, 
of the of the pit bull that he he has to reimburse 50% of the damages that the municipality pay he have to reimburse the municipality based on the actio de pauperie basically um, based on the fact that he's the owner of the dog and that the dog attacked her so the municipality had to pay fatima for the damages Quentin, the dog owner, had to reimburse the municipality for 50% of the damages suffered, and then the municipality was also liable to pay Fatima's legal costs. So in the case of the municipality, it was um, negligence that uh, was part of the cause of action, uh, the electoral yes. claim. Uh, and in the case of the dog owner, as you mentioned, it was strict liability, no? even though there wasn't yes. any negligence on his side. Just as owner of the dog, he was uh, found to be liable. Yes, that's correct. And and Volker, if you remember, I even mentioned that the dog owner wasn't even on the premises or at the resort when the accident occurred. Listen, for uh, listeners, what is the advice that you can give? Don't uh, uh, get a pit bull, I guess, is one of the <laughs> lessons. I think not, a lot of listeners won't agree with us when we give that type of advice, but um, I think this matter definitely um, serves as a warning to owners of resorts and municipalities um, who owns resorts. And it, it's a warning with regard to their legal duty. Um, they have a legal duty to take all reasonable and necessary steps to ensure that the visitors of their resorts are safe. So owners and resort owners should ensure that visitors strictly adhere to the rules and regulations of the resort, and they should ensure that the safety measures are in place, and most importantly, that it is enforced. Because I think this is where the municipality slipped up. There were rules and regulations, but they didn't enforce it properly. And that's my advice also to resort owners, to make sure that you enforce the, the rules and regulations. And then... Um, as I previously advised um, as well, I, it's, it's very important for all pet owners to get personally, personal liability insurance to ensure that you are indeed covered should your pet attack a third party. And it's not always an attack that we foresee. Um, it's not always the pit bulls or the rottweilers that actually attack people. There's other animals as well. So I think it's it's advisable to get some personal liability insurance to cover you in that circumstances. All right. Thank you. Amory. Thank you, Volker. You're listening to Van Verandaf Illegal News here on Waterberg Stereo. I've got uh, Tandika and Panza here today with uh, me again. We're going to talk about a court case dealing with life partners. In other words, people that live together without getting married, but that actually um, live together as if they are married. That's sort of one possible de definition of life partners. So, um, yeah, if you are a life partner of someone else, then surely you should, uh, well, then most certainly you should listen to that program um, but um, otherwise, also, if uh, you're interested to, do, to know what the court held in this case in respect of life partners and specifically um, whether they can inherit and specifically whether they can claim maintenance, uh, be, uh, please stay tuned. So, Tandeka, um, there was a decision in the High Court uh, Cape Town. Um, and uh, what are the facts in this uh, case? Well, good day, Falk, and good day to the listeners at home. 
I'll just start off by first giving a brief um, explanation or a background as to the current position in South Africa. Now, in terms of the Interstate Succession Act and the Maintenance of Surviving Spouses Act, opposite sex life partners cannot inherit or claim maintenance respectively as they were not considered spouses in terms of these laws. So this was an application that was brought where the applicant sought an order that the Interstate Succession Act and the Maintenance of um, Surviving Spouses Act be declared as unconstitutional and invalid insofar as they exclude the surviving life partner in a permanent opposite sex life partnership from inheriting in terms of these acts. So okay. the fact so, was, so the, 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 the current position was that, yeah, if you pass away and there's a life partner, you live together with someone as husband and wife, that person uh, couldn't claim any um, maintenance on the one hand and also uh, couldn't claim to be regarded as an interstate uh, ear if there was no will. In other words, if the interstate uh, law of succession applies. So, yeah, the, the court uh, had to decide whether that's fair, I guess. And it's maybe an interesting question uh, before we... Um, get the answer from you later for the listeners to also decide on what do you think? Uh, should a life partner benefit uh, as, uh, uh, as a surviving spouse uh, does benefit in terms of maintenance and uh, inheritance or should there be a differentiation? So yeah, uh, Tandika, yeah, please carry on. Okay, so regarding the facts, uh, the applicant, Ms. Buanya, who I'll refer to as B, met Mr. Rook, who I'll refer to as R. They met in 2014 and they started living together in his house as a family. Now, there was evidence that was brought before court that was undisputed that R treated B as his wife, even though the couple was not married. To These was to friends they mixed socially and their relationship at all times appeared to be that of a loving couple. There were, it was, evidence was led that R made several preparations for the two of them to travel to Zimbabwe to B's maternal home to negotiate Lobola and prepare for a wedding. And furthermore, the deceased maintained diary entries which showed that the two had plans to start a business together and start a family. The deceased conceded the applicant's contribution of love, care, emotional support and companionship to their domestic life partnership in, in his diary entries. Now, unfortunately, Mr. Rook died unexpectedly in April 2016, and therefore that's when B lodged claims against the estate as an interstate heir, as our spouse, and under Section 2 of the Maintenance of the Surviving Spouses Act. Now, the second respondent, the executor of R's estate, rejected both these claims, which rejections were upheld by the master. And this led to B bringing this application before the Cape Town High Court, where she sought that uh, Section 1 of the Interstate Succession Act and Section 2 of the Maintenance of Surviving Spouses Act are, are declared unconstitutional and invalid. Okay, so she was uh, one of those uh, surviving life partners who wanted uh, to make sure that uh, she doesn't hear it and uh, also can claim maintenance. Um, so yeah, that's the question that the court had to decide. Uh, um, so so what, what was the outcome? What did the court indeed uh, find? So what's interesting that the court ruled the court ruled that the failure to include the spouses of opposite sex partners for consideration in inheritance matters, which is interstate where there was no will, was discriminatory and unconstitutional. The court further held that this was particularly important in long-term relationships where a man or a woman were happy with the status quo and were not interested in having in entering into a valid civil marriage. The the court found it unfair and an infringement to the right of dignity and equality of the surviving opposite sex spouse that they could not inherit. And lastly, the court held that it, it constituted unfair discrimination on the basis of gender and sexual orientation, and it is presumed to be unfair 
under Section 9 of the Constitution, which is the right to equality. So it's an example of the Constitution overriding an act of Parliament, no? because the Constitution obviously um, is the strongest of all our uh, codified legislation. So, uh, yeah, in this case, the court uh, came to the conclusion that uh, that specific portion of the Interstate Succession Act is contrary to the Constitution and should therefore be uh, changed. No? So, um, yeah, interesting. Um, so, so what is the effect of the decision? What does this now mean for, for life partners? Can the life partners now always um, claim to be included as interstate heirs and, uh, and, and, uh, in the future or not? I think it, it's, it goes without saying that this is indeed a landmark um, ruling. Uh, with the, and the effects of these are that the court found nothing to support a finding that the discrimination is, is fair in these circumstances. For the court ruled that Section 1 of the Interstate Succession Act should therefore be read to include the words or a partner in a permanent opposite sex life partnership. So therefore, partners in opposite sex life, um, life partnerships are able to claim in terms of the Interstate Succession Act. The court also found that they are bound by the Stara Disease uh, principle, which is the previous court's findings. And uh, this is based on the Folks versus Robinson's case. And like just briefly, um, in this matter, the court held accordingly that there was a differentiation in the act, but that it did not amount to an infringement of the right to equality. This decision was based on the fact that during a marriage, the parties have a reciprocal duty of support, but there is no such duty accorded to the unmarried. The aim of the legislation was not to un encompass the unmarried. And accordingly, the court could not require the imposition of an obligation on a deceased person's estate where there is no such obligation on a deceased when he's alive. So essentially, the court uh, really changed the position in, in terms of the Interstate Succession Act. However, the court still bound itself to the previous decision uh, in, in the, uh, the Fox versus Robinson's matter regarding the maintenance of surviving spouses, uh, surviving spouses Act. All right. So in terms of this decision, the uh, surviving life partner can or should be uh, included as an, an interstate heir, but uh, he or she cannot claim maintenance. Um, so, okay, but but this uh, decision sort of is not the final outcome no, on this whole issue and this legal question. Am I right? You are exactly right, um, Volker. So in terms of Section 172A2A of the Constitution, any, any, any ruling that comes from um, a court that if affects a constitutionality uh, or an act of parliament, rather, such, uh, such a ruling would have to go to the Constitutional Court for validation uh, to be confirmed by the Constitutional Court. So this, this case will still be appearing before the Constitutional Court where the court may rule otherwise or they may, they may agree with the High Court and confirm the ruling as it stands and have the, the, the Act of Parliament being the Interstate Succession Act amended accordingly. We'll uh, certainly keep an eye on that and uh, let our listeners know as soon as the final verdict of the Constitutional Court on the um, on the issue is is, is known, but in the meantime, uh, yeah, uh, that uh, is uh, the position in terms of the um, this judgment in respect of once again uh, life partners inclusion as an interstate heir and life partners claims for maintenance. That's all we have uh, time for today. Remember, our email address is info at vvd.co.za. Thanks for uh, listening. Uh, make sure that you tune in again next week, Wednesday, between 3 o'clock and 4 o'clock, and then also on Friday evenings.